Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone in the United States, Canada, and those who are experiencing the morning time period around the world. Shalom, peace. My name is Kennard Levy Brown, or Levi Brown. I am your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. This program has been on the air since the latter part of 2007. The sole purpose of this program is to give those who are hungering and thirsting for the truth of the Bible. And, you know, I don't sugarcoat anything on this program. Um, I know Yeshua came the first time as a lamb. He's coming back the second time as a lion. And I try to be as gentle as I can on this program. But uh, as is necessary, based on the example of Yeshua, I have to be hard, too. Can't sugarcoat the truth. And those that do so, you have to question why you're a minister or a Torah teacher. But anyway, what I'm going to speak about today is a controversial uh, topic uh, not only for uh, Christianity, traditional Christianity, but also the Hebraic Roots movement about circumcision and also Galatians chapter 5, verse 3. And there's other scriptures, too, that are confusing, but Galatians 5, verse 3 is a really tricky scripture. Uh, you have to really understand what Shaul or Paul was going through back then in the first century. And you really have to understand what he meant in a lot of cases by circumcision and uncircumcision to really understand the book of Galatians. And so I'm going to go over that uh, shortly here. What I'm going to do, for those who are familiar with my program, uh, go over any world events. I used to take about 15 to 20 minutes, um, but I don't do that anymore. And I normally have a 30-minute program because of this topic I have decided to let the program um, be extended to 60 minutes. I want to make sure that I do the best I can to uh, simplify and explain this controversial topic about uh, circumcision and and keeping the whole tour. All right, so let's uh, take a look at uh, world news here quickly here. What I usually do is go to watch.org. Koenig does an 
a very good job of keeping me and anyone else that goes to this website up to date with what's going on in the Middle East. Keep in mind that things will start at Jerusalem and end at Jerusalem, according to Zechariah chapter 12, 13, and 14. All right, um, I'm at the website. If you're by your PC, you can go there with me if you want, watch.org. Uh, headline here it says Washington's National Cathedral hosts Islamic prayers. Christian protester interrupts service. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if there's any significant news though. U.S. Navy deploys its first laser weapon in the Persian Gulf. Kerry, Israel, Jordan agree on steps to reduce Jerusalem tensions. Putin, who is the Prime Minister of uh, Russia, pokes the West with massive news outlet launch bomber flights. Russia's bombers to conduct regular patrols ranging from the Arctic to the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, ISIS, Al-Qaeda affiliate reportedly unite to fight U.S.-backed rebels in Syria. All right, so things are somewhat, uh, I'm trying to find the right word here. Uh, they're brewing, but not boiling yet. So uh, we need to keep an eye on what's going on in Jerusalem <clears throat> based on Luke chapter 21. Well, Yeshua plainly states here, I quote this from time to time, Luke chapter 21, starting in verse uh, 34. I'm going to read this in the uh, amplified version here of the Bible. It says, But take heed to yourselves and be on guard that not your hearts be overburdened and depressed, weighed down with the giddiness and headache and nausea of self-indulgence, drunkenness and worldly worries and cares pertaining to the business of this life, and lest that day come upon you suddenly like a trap or noose. Verse 35, for it will come upon all who live upon the face of the entire earth. And so because of that, admonishes all of us in verse 36, keep awake then and watch at all times. Be discreet, attentive, and ready, praying that you may have the full strength and ability and be accounted worthy to escape all these things taken together that will take place and to stand in the presence of the Son of Man. That's the reason why I do this each and every week. I'm only trying to do what our master has commanded each and every one of us to do. All right, so let's go to the economic collapse blog. Go there with me if you buy your PC. Um, this is an interesting website. I suggest that you bookmark this website and go over it frequently. Uh, the main media outlets that we have, CBS, NBC, Fox, and so forth, they're not going to really give you the information that you need to really watch effectively, as the Master has commanded each and every one of us to do. The headline here on the front page of the website, the economiccollapseblog.com, it says Obama's secret treaty would be the most important step toward a one-world economic system. So it says right here, Barack Obama is secretly negotiating the largest international trade agreement in history. And the mainstream media in the United States is almost completely ignoring it. If this treaty is adopted, it will be the most important step toward a one-world economic system that we have ne ever seen. The name of this treaty is the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and the text of the treaty is so closely guarded that not even members of Congress know what is in it. Right now, there are 12 countries that are a part of the negotiation, the United States, Canada, Australia, Chile, Brani, Japan, Malaysia, Mexico, New Zealand, Peru, Singapore, and Vietnam. 
These nations have a combined population of 792 million people and account for an astounding 40% of the global economy. And it is hoped that the EU, China, and India will eventually join as well. This is potentially the most dangerous economic treaty of our lifetimes, and yet there is very little political debate about it in this country. As I stated before, uh, you have to, to really seek and find real news that you can use. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next headline is 24 Reasons Why Millennials Are Screaming Mad About Our Unfair Economy. i got to read this. This is important. This is socioeconomics. Do you know... Do you want to know why millennials seem so angry? We promised them that if they worked hard, stayed out of trouble in grades, that they would be able to achieve the American dream. We told them not to worry about accumulating very levels of student loan debt because there would be good jobs waiting for them at the end of the rainbow once they graduated. Well, it turns out that we lied to them. Nearly half of all millennials are spending at least half their paychecks to pay off debt. More than 30% of them are living with their parents because they can't find decent jobs. And this year, the home ownership rate for millennials sunk to a brand-new all-time low. When you break U.S. adults down by age, our long-term economic decline has hit the millennials the hardest by far. And yet, somehow, we expect them to bear the burden of providing Medicare, Social Security, and other social welfare benefits to the rest of us as we get older. No wonder there is so much anger and frustration among our young people. The following are 24 reasons why millennials are screaming mad about our unfair economy, and you can read the rest. I usually don't read the entire article for time's sake. Another headline here is, If everything is just fine, why are so many really smart people forecasting economic disaster? The economy of the largest superpower on the planet is collapsing right now. National economic suicide. The U.S. trade deficit with China just hit a new record high. So, please read the rest of these articles at your leisure. Now we're going to tackle this interesting topic. Very interesting topic. What does the whole tour, or whole law, mean in Galatians 5, verse 3? Before I start to talk about this, I'm going to give you, I hope, a very simplified understanding of what Paul dealt with back in the first century. What I recommend you do, my colleague, uh, Mr. Tim Hegg, has written an excellent book. It's called The Letter Writer, Paul's Background and Tor Perspective. I really believe that uh, Tim Hegg is the expert or one of the experts at helping you understand Paul's uh, historical significance, his background, and what he experienced as a Jew. As some of you may realize, uh, certainly in the Hebraic Roots movement, it is taught that Paul instructed people that you don't have to keep the law of Moses. And the reason why people believe that is they've been brainwashed uh, into incorrect teachings. Um, But above that, the primary reason is that people have ignored the fact that Paul was a Jew, that Yeshua is a Jew. And the disciples of Talmudim were Jews, the ones that became apostles. And so those are the things that we need to understand. One of the the most significant statements that, that Yeshua said, and I'm going to go over this here in a little more in detail, 
John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Starting at verse 20. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version for clarity's sake. Uh, it's a word-for-word translation. It kind of brings out the original Greek and, and Hebrew um, of the Scriptures. Uh, John 4, verse 20. He says, Our forefathers worship on this mountain, but you... Now, this is in the context of Yeshua meeting the woman from the well. All right? John 4, verse 20. Our forefathers worship on this mountain, but you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where it is necessary and proper to worship. Verse 21. Yeshua said unto her, Woman, believe me, a time is coming... When you will worship the Father, neither merely in this mountain nor merely in Jerusalem. Verse 22 of John chapter 4. You Samaritans do not know what you are worshiping. You worship what you do not comprehend. We do know what we are worshiping. Now, I want to stop right there. Yeshua associated himself with the Jews of that time. I know the scripture where it states that be careful of the leaven or the teachings of the Pharisees or Sadducees. But despite that, he still associated himself with the Jews. All right? And so obviously all their teaching, even today, is not all in error. Because why would he associate himself with the Jews? Again, he stated plainly, we do know what we are worshiping. Again, I'm going to say it two more times. We do know what we are worshiping. One more time. We do know what we are worshiping. So Yeshua associated himself with the Jews of the first century, despite that they were teaching doctrinal error, because he knew they weren't teaching all doctrinal error. All right, so anyway, we do know what we are worshiping. We worship what we have knowledge of and understand. For after all, salvation comes from the who? The Jews. Why does salvation come from the Jews? Because the greatest human being who ever lived is a Jew and those who he taught to be pillars of the assembly or the church of Yah. Yah is short in Hebrew for God. Those who he taught were Jews as well. The original Talmudim or disciples, the apostles. All right? In verse 23, he says, A time will come. However, indeed, it is already here when the true genuine worships will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking just such people as these as his worshipers. Now, what is the, the biblical definition of truth? Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Verse 142. So in the Amplified Version, it says, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is the truth. Or Hebraically, law means Torah in Hebrew. Your Torah is, John 17, verse 17, states plainly, uh, as Yeshua was praying to his father before he got butchered, unfortunately. Well, fortunately and fortunately. Unfortunately, he had to go through the pain, but fortunately, because of that, we all have an opportunity for immortality salvation. John 17, verse 17, states that die or his father's word is the truth. Is the truth. All right? And so, that's the biblical definition of truth. And that we must live by every word of God. Matthew 4, verse 4. 
All right, so I, I wanted to point that out, and then in Romans, in Romans chapter 3, verse 1, then what advantage remains to the Jew? How is he favored, or what is the value or benefit of circumcision? All right, let's time out here. When Shaul talks about circumcision and uncircumcision in a lot of cases in the epistles, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. And I'm going to prove this to you through the scriptures. This is one of them. Because he's associating a Jew with circumcision. Now, why is he associating a Jew with circumcision? Well, what you need to understand is the big controversy in Acts chapter 15 was about um, well, actually, well, let me read Romans 3, verse 1. Then, what advantage remains to the Jew? How is he favored? Or what is the value or benefit of circumcision? Verse 2, much in every way. So, to begin with, to the Jews were entrusted the oracles, the brief communications, the intentions, the utterances of God. All right? So, Shaul states, and Yeshua states, that there are some advantages, even the Jewish ritual of circumcision, which I'm going to explain here. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. It says, But some men came down from Judea, which is the West Bank today, and were instructing the brethren, unless you are circumcised in accordance with the Mosaic custom, you cannot be saved. All right, so, it wasn't a Mosaic custom. Uh, I'm going to prove to you that actually circumcision began with Abraham, or Abraham and Yeshua sta stated that. But anyway, Acts chapter 15, I'm going to read this in the King James Version here. Uh, the manner of Moses, that word is ethos, and it means custom. Custom. All right, so this was a tradition. And they were saying that you cannot have salvation without being circumcised. And so I'm going to state here emphatically that if you get circumcised, it doesn't guarantee you salvation. Just like if you keep the Sabbath, it doesn't guarantee salvation. Uh, salvation was paid for is by the blood of Messiah. And so that's what Paul means when he says none of our works, no commandment keeping can get us saved. All right, Because when we receive the Holy Spirit, Galatians 2 verse 20 states that Yeshua of the Messiah lives in us, and he does the works through us. He influences us to do the works. So it's really Yeshua's works through us that we are being saved, not by our own works or righteousness. Because our righteousness, according to the Bible, is filthy rags. So let's understand that. So any commandment keeping, including the commandment to circumcise yourself, according to Abraham, not the Jewish ritual tradition that I'm going to explain here, uh, will not save you. All right? So let's, let's understand. And I'm going to explain what salvation is, I hope, in a simple way. Uh, during this, but that was the controversy, stating the fact that these Jews, and this is in the context of Galatians too, because Jews were going around that were believers of Messiah, that were were circumcised according to the Jewish traditional ritual uh, that is even done today. Uh, when they do it today, they uh, uh, for those who aren't circumcised, they're, they're circumcised, of course. But those who are even circumcised, they they still use a pen and prick um, the male organ as a symbol of the circumcision. So that's even being done today uh, to become a Jew. But the whole issue was uh, because circumcision 
back then and even today to become a Jew, if I wanted to become a Jew now, uh, I would have to, because I'm already circumcised, uh, I would have to get my male organ pricked as a symbol of circumcision to become a Jew. They, back in the first century, they were stating that you had to become a Jew to be saved. Matter of fact, there was, uh, even in the writings, in the Talmud and the Mishnah, uh, it states that uh, if you're not a Jew, you, you're not going to be saved. So that that that's, that was going on back then, and that's a false doctrine, of course. And when you understand that, then you'll be able to understand a little bit more, I would say, you'll have a, a better understanding of Paul's epistles. But that was the controversy. It wasn't the, the Abraham commanded circumcision that was talked about here. It was the the circumcision that the Jews um, added or uh, their commandments that they added to make the law of Moses void. That was the issue here because they were going around teaching incorrectly that Gentiles had to become Jews to be saved through the, the Jewish ritual of circumcision. So I'm trying to explain this in, in a simple way. Um, Tim Hegg on his website, TorahResources.com, has a nice article for you to read about this, Acts chapter 15. It really goes into detail. And I don't have the time to really go into detail. I'm just trying to simplify this as much as I can. Okay. So, getting back, the issue here. Um, John, I'm sorry, Second Peter. Second Peter. Chapter 3. So I'm going to read this in the King James, verse 15 to 16. This is another thing that we have to understand when we're uh, trying to understand Paul's epistles. 2 Peter 3, verse 15. And account the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you, as also in all his epistles or letters, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. They're very difficult to be understood, and I know why, because many people don't understand Paul's background, his environment, what he was dealing with. And that's the reason why many people stumble, especially with the book of Galatians. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable, these are people who don't understand the Hebraic roots background of the Bible, as they do also the other scriptures into their own destruction. So let's keep that in mind as we continue to go over this and, and, and understand what was the issue during the time where Paul wrote an epistle to the Galatians. First of all, let's understand how the words circumcision and uncircumcision is used in Paul's epistles in a lot of cases. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 7 to 9. But counterarise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision unto Peter. Verse 8. For he that wrought effectively in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So there we go. There is a dichotomy, the two opposite sides. Uh, Peter was the 
he brought the gospel of the circumcision to the Jews. And so in this context, circumcision means Jews. Uncircumcision means Gentiles. In verse 9 of Galatians chapter 2, when James, Cephas, and John, as Peter, who seemed to be pillars, they were pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me that gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. So the heathen, of course, are the Gentiles, and they unto the circumcision, obviously, are Jews, based on Romans chapter 3, verse 1. So, let's understand, is in a lot of cases in the Bible, uh, and I mean, yeah, in the Bible, as far as uh, Paul's epistles, or Shaul's epistles, or letters, when he talks about circumcision, he's talking about the Jews, and when he says uncircumcision, he's talking about the Gentiles. All right? Now, the origin of circumcision. Let's let's read what the Master said in red letters in the King James Version in John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 22. John chapter 7, verse 22. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. Okay, this is in red letters, so let's pay attention. Even though, you know, in black letters is okay too, but uh, I just say that in red letters because it came directly from Yeshua's mouth. Uh, John 7, verse 22. says, Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. Again, let me explain that again. John 7, verse 22. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses. Now, he's ta- not talking about the Jewish ritual of circumcision to become a Jew so that you can receive salvation. He's talking about the circumcision that was commanded to Abraham and his children, which we are. <clears throat> All right, so John 7, verse 22, Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. Who are the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. Verse 23, if a man, did he say that it was wrong to do that? No, he did not. Verse 23, if a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, which is the law of God. Uh, hold your place here, because there, there's some, some serious <laughs> misunderstanding about the law of Moses. The law of Moses is the law of God, folks. Uh, there's no difference between the two. And that has been a deception that has really tricked a lot of people for a long time. Hold your place in John 7, verse 23. We're going to turn to First Kings chapter 2. Verse 3. Now, this is um, part of the dying statements of David to his son Solomon. I'm going to read, actually, the context in, in verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 2. Now, the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, verse 2, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. Verse 3, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, or the Torah of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and whatsoever thou turn thyself. So what's in the law of Moses, the Torah of Moses? Yah's statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. That's what's written in the law of Torah of Moses. The Torah of Moses is the Torah of God. For more proof, please study uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, where it uses the law of Moses and the law of God interchangeably, uh, synonymously, or they are both the same, and they can be called either or, the law of of God 
for the law of Moses. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, or Nehemiah chapter 8. All right, so let's go back to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Verse 23. It says, If a man on a Shabbat day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on Shabbat day? And then verse 24, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. What is righteousness? Psalm 119, verse 172. Righteousness is all the commandments of Yah, which includes circumcision, as I'm going to prove to you today. All right. Now, let's understand something. Yeshua and also Abraham were circumcised to the origin of circumcision biblically. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 10. Verse 10. This is my agreement or covenant which you shall keep. This is t- he's talking to Abraham here, between me and thy seed after thee. So this covenant is not just for Abraham, it's also his seed which we are a part of, which I'm going to prove to you scripturally in a simple way. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. All right, that's a commandment. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. Again, in Matthew chapter 5, Yeshua did not come to destroy Moses or the Torah. And so this commandment must still be in effect, ladies and gentlemen. The confusion is what circumcision should we, the Jewish ritual that says you must become a Jew to be saved, circumcision, or the circumcision that is commanded here. Uh, Genesis 17, verse 11, And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. And so what circumcision is, is a token. Token in Hebrew is of and it means a flag, a beacon, evidence of the agreement between me and you. So circumcision is an evidence of the agreement that we made between Yah to keep his commandments. Verse 17, I mean, uh, Genesis 17, verse 12. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in a house or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed. So this applies to anyone that calls themselves a children, uh, a child of Abraham, and also has the spirit of Messiah. Verse 13, he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh, in your flesh, spiritual circumcision. Of course, the true intent of circumcision is to be circumcised of the heart. We understand that. But still, there are physical commandments that we need to keep as well as spiritual. Verse 13, He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. No doubt that this is talking about physical circumcision. Verse 14, And the uncircumcised man, child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Just like, look, in Leviticus chapter 19, it has all kinds of commandments that we need to keep. Let me uh, turn here. here. Leviticus chapter 19. 
It talks about keeping the Shabbat. Verse 3, you shall fear every man his mother and his father. That's honoring your father and mother, the fifth commandment, and keep my Sabbaths. Uh, verse 4, turn you not into idols. That's a, that's a uh, commandment. It talks about offerings. We can't give offerings because there's no temple, but we do it spiritually by giving and sharing our possessions with people. Uh, according to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 and 16. Uh, it talks about um, reaping the harvest of your land, the corners of your field, if you do have one. Uh, it talks about you should not steal. Uh, it talks about uh, you should not go up and down as a talebearer or a gossiper or slander. Uh, in verse 17, you should not hate thy brother in thy heart in Leviticus chapter 19. And he says, you shall keep my statutes in, in verse 19. In verse 18 of Leviticus chapter 19 says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If people are listening to me for the first time and wondering where Yeshua stated that, well, he got that from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a commandment. Um, in verse 20 it says, Whoever lies kindly with a woman that is a bondmaid, betrothed to a husband, and not at all redeemed, nor freedom given to her, she shall be scourged. They shall not be put to death because she was not free. So there's all kinds of commandments here uh, in verse 28 of Leviticus chapter 19. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you, so no tattoos. Verse 29 of Leviticus 19, do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore. So prostitution is a sin, that not the land fall to whoredom, and the land become full of wickedness, as our land is and many others that practice that. And then verse 30 again, you shall keep my Shabbats. Uh, it's, it's so many uh, just commandments here in Leviticus chapter 19. The, point, the reason why I'm reading this is that circumcision is a commandment like keeping the Sabbath and so forth. Do keeping the commandments save us? No. But keeping the commandments prove that we believe him. And because of that, he will give us the gift of salvation. So uh, James, or Yaakov, uh, Yeshua's brother, stated plainly that faith must have works, or trust must have works, which Abraham is the father of the faithful, and he certainly practiced uh, works that was accounted to him as righteousness and proved his faith or belief toward God. And that's the same thing that we need to do. All right, so Leviticus chapter 12, verse 1 to 3 Moses knew of the law of circumcision, and God influenced him to write it down. In Leviticus chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days, according to the days of the separation. For her infirmity she shall be unclean. Verse 3, And in the eighth day his flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Now, did Yeshua keep this? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, before I turn to the scripture to prove that to you, let me quote some other scriptures. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, 39 to 40. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto him, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. So he's telling us we need to do, uh, if we are truly Abraham's children, which we should be, then we should be doing the works of Abraham. What was one of the works of Abraham, folks? He circumcised himself, right? All right, verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth. And what is the truth? The Torah, the instructions of Yah, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. Abraham had an attitude of obeying the Torah. All right? 
And Genesis 26, verse 5 said that he kept the Torah. For those who don't understand that, uh, let me, or never seen that scripture, let's turn to Genesis chapter 26, verse 5. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, and that's Torah, or the Pentateuch, or Decalogue. All right, he knew of Yah's laws. All right. So, Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So if we are of faith, faith must have works, right? Then we are of the children of Abraham. Now going down to this verse in Galatians 3, verse 29. And if ye be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So if we're Messiahs, then we are Abraham's seed. We are his children and heirs according to promise. So we should do the works of Abraham. One of the works of Abraham was to circumcise. Okay, not because of becoming a Jew and because of the circumcision that one act you're saved. No, because God commands us to do it. That's why. And I challenge anyone that tells me that circumcision is done away with. If you're teaching that, you're not teaching scripture. You need to repent. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Here's a scripture that proves that Yeshua was circumcised. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Salvation, or Yeshua, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. All right, let me repeat this again. This is scriptural proof that the Messiah was circumcised according to the law of Abraham, which Moses recorded. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Yeshua, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, he wasn't circumcised because he was a Jew. He was circumcised because the law commands him to be circumcised. That's the reason why he was circumcised, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Because he also was a child of Abraham. Even though he's, you know, I'm talking about on a physical plane. He was a part of the seed of Abraham. All right, here's a significant scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 18 to 20. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Now, I just read to you that God commands that we be circumcised. How are we to understand this? Well, this is an epistle of Paul. And in this context, it has to be talking about a Jew versus a Gentile. Okay? Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Any called in uncircumcision, let him not be circumcised. In verse 19, circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. Now, I just read to you that one of the commandments of God is to become circumcised. (laughs) And so, obviously, in this context, circumcision is referring to becoming a Jew through the ritual of circumcision, and that ritual states incorrectly that if you uh, become circumcised and become a Jew, you have earned salvation. All right, and an uncircumcision is nothing. So, not being circumcised according to the Jewish ritual is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. In verse twenty, let every man abide in the same calling when he was called. So, what this is saying, basically, is that if you're 
not a Jew, don't become a Jew. All right? And uh, if you're a Jew, you don't have to become a Gentile. That, that's what it's saying, basically. All right? It's not saying that you should not keep the uh, circumcision law biblically, according to what Ab- uh, God told Abraham. Now, two important scriptures that I must go over. And how much time do I have? 19 minutes. Okay, i got plenty of time. Romans 2, starting in verse 6. Actually, in verse 17. I'll start in verse 17. Romans 2, verse 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and retest in the law, and make thy boast of God. Verse 18. And know his will, and approve the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the Torah. And are confident that thou art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which thou, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Verse 21, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself, that thy preachers a man should not steal, do you steal? In other words, are you a hypocrite? Verse 22, That thou sayest a man should not commit adultery, does thou commit adultery? That thou abhorrest idols, does thou commit sacrilege? Or sacrilege? Verse 23, That thou makest thy boast of the law, through breaking of the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. Verse 20, For circumcision verily profiteth, if thou keepeth the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. All right, so you can be circumcised, and if you don't keep the Torah, what good is it? That, that's what he's saying, basically. And so that, that's, you know, that's the Sabbath. I mean, you, you could keep the Sabbath commandment. And what I'm going to go over later on is that if you break another commandment, you've bro- broken them all. So you, we have to do the best we can to keep all the commandments. Uh Verse twenty six of Romans chapter two. Therefore, if thy if the circumcision if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be accounted for circumcision? And this, of course, in this context, is talking about Gentiles versus Jews again. When uncircumcision means that you're a Gentile, and circumcision means that you're a Jew. Verse twenty seven. He and shall not the uncircumcision which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and the circumcision does transgress the law. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is the outward of the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not of the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. That's what physical circumcision should represent, that physical act, which is a, a work of Yah. Is it represents the fact that you understand you need to circumcise your mind of, of filthy thoughts and wicked thoughts. Cut off all the wicked thoughts that you have in your mind. That's what the physical act of circumcision represents. And it is an act of faith, especially when a male does it, uh, a, a an adult male. It hurts. It hurts, but it's certainly an act of faith. And, and this is a, it's a, a record... Uh, of making that commitment to obey the commandments. All right, here's another, uh, and this is a very misunderstood passage of Scripture here in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Actually, verse 9. Romans 4, verse 9. says, Cometh this blessedness them upon the circumcision or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to... Now, we know this is talking about the Genesis chapter 17 
uh, circumcision here in this context, all right? That faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Verse 10, how was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. All right, so what Paul is saying here, and this is correct, that um, Abraham has proven to be righteous even before he got circumcised. That's that's the point he's making here in verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision. Okay? The sign of circumcision is the the physical circumcision of the flesh. And he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them. All right? I wonder if there's an easier translation of this. He received a mark of circumcision as a token or an evidence and seal of the righteousness which he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. That's a clear, that's in the Amplified Version. So he received, in verse 11 of the Amplified Version of Romans chapter 4, he received a mark of circumcision as a token or an evidence and seal of the righteousness which he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So, so Abraham was already circumcised spiritually. And all the physical act of circumcision is is the is the evidence of him already of having that attitude of being circumcised spiritually. All right. So he received a mark of circumcision as a token or evidence and seal of the righteousness. What is his righteousness? Psalm one nineteen verse one seventy two, which he had by faith. Righteousness is all the commandments of God, which he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Faith, so that he was to be made the father of all who truly believe, though without circumcision and who thus has righteousness right standing with god imputed to them and credited to their account verse 12 as well as that he had made the father of those circumcised persons who are not merely circumcised but also walk in the way of that faith which our father abraham had before he was circumcised all right for the promise of abraham or his posterity that he should inherit the world did not come through observing the commands of the torah but through the righteousness of faith, through the righteousness of faith. And, and the King James says, for the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the Torah, but through the righteousness of faith. Now, again, you've got to understand righteousness. Righteousness is, key, is all the commandments of faith, and faith must have works. So what this is saying is that just by keeping the commandments, you're not going to earn salvation. It's, it's a gift. None of us deserve to live right now. However, through Yeshua's sacrifice, he opened the door for us to obtain eternal life. All right. So the whole law, the whole law, back to Galatians chapter 5 again, starting in verse 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherein Yeshua has made us free. He didn't make us, be, make us free to commit sin, but he made us free from the curse of the law the curse of the law, which would cause death when we violate it. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. It's not talking about the circumcision of Abraham and the circumcision that Yeshua did. It's talking about the circumcision to become a Jew. And to say, oh, because I'm circumcised as a Jew, I'm saved now. That's what he's talking about in this context. Verse 3, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is adapted to do the whole law. Now, what is this talking about, whole law? Well, whole law in this context, because it has something to do with becoming a Jew, means that in addition to keeping the, the, the Torah of Moses, they would also have to 
to keep the halakha or the rulings or interpretations of the Torah of Moses, which in some cases was incorrect, and in other cases it is correct. And so when, in this context, he's talking about the whole law, he's talking about the orator, which is the interpretations of the rabbis of the Torah of Moses, and also the written. So the written and orator, that's what he's talking about, that we would have to be adepter to keep the whole law, including the rabbinic traditional additions to the Torah. And some of them were incorrect. That's what he's talking about in that context. Now, there's other scriptures that um, talk about the whole law. Uh, there's one scripture in Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse 8. Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse 8. It states this. It says, Neither will I uh, any more remove Second Chronicles thirty three verse eight. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land which I have appointed for your fathers, so that they will take heed to do all that I have commanded them, according to the whole law and the statutes and ordinances by the hand of Moses. So that tells you that the whole law in this context is what Moses wrote, and, and actually the whole Torah is the entire instructions of God in the entire Bible. But let's turn also to uh, James chapter two verse ten to twelve. So there's three cases where the whole law is mentioned in the entire Bible. And this is the, the last case here in uh, James chapter 2, verse 10 to 12. It says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. And he gives you an example in verse 11. For he that says, Do not commit adulteries, also said, Do not kill. Now if you commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, you are become a transgressor of the law. And so verse 12. So speak ye and do so, as they shall be judged by the law of liberty. All right, and it is a law of liberty, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the law of God. And we have to understand that uh, the liberty that we have is the liberty of not uh, being cursed of the law. It doesn't give us a license to do whatever we want. And so that's that's the thing that we have to understand, too. A lot of people don't understand that. Psalm 119, verse 145 states the following, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. And so if you're walking according to the law of God, then it's liberty, and it's liberty because you're seeking his commandments. That That's the important thing that you have to understand. Because many people, uh, they, they, they really think that uh, Paul can send whatever he wants, and Romans 6, verse 1 states plainly, What shall we say to all this? Are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace, favor, and mercy may multiply and overflow? Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it anymore? All right, so that, that's a plain statement from Paul about that. One of the things that we must understand is that Yeshua is the ultimate example for mankind. John 14, verse 6 plainly states the following. John 14, verse 6. John 14, verse 6. Yeah, I'm not going to have time to go over the Torah readings, unfortunately, today because of this topic. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to go over next week. John 14, verse 6. Yeshua said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to me, comes to the Father, except through me. And so he's the example. He's the halakha that we should follow. That's what way means hebraically, halakha. That is what we should follow, his way. He's the ultimate human example, ladies and gentlemen. 
and and he said he kept his father's commandments in John 15 verse 10. If he kept his father's commandments, we should. If he got circumcised, we should. I don't care what anyone tells you. I'm telling you what the scriptures command each and every one of us to do. Uh, in First John chapter one, verse one to six, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Verse 2, for the life was manifested that we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Yeshua Messiah. Verse 4, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Verse 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that Yah is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And so we we have to, to follow his example, ladies and gentlemen. That is the key uh, of all this. Uh, we, we must follow his example. And we have to walk the way he walked. That is the ultimate example. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light, he is the light, and we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Yeshua cleanses us all from sin. Okay? And First John chapter 2, verse 6, this is the scripture I'm in to quote, although the other scriptures are okay too. First John 2, verse 6, he that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Let me repeat that again. First John 2, verse 6, he that says he walks, he abides in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. And for those who need a basic definition of what love is, Second uh, John chapter one verse six. Second John chapter one verse six, and this is love that we walk after His commandments. All right, so that's a simple definition of what love is according to the Bible: walking after His commandments. Yeshua, His parents, responsibly according to the Torah of Moses. He got circumcised. That means we should get circumcised as well, as men. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9 states plainly, Though he were, and being made perfect, this is talking about Yeshua, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So we have to obey him. And when we obey him, then he certainly is the author of our eternal salvation because we don't earn the salvation. He earned it for us. But we must obey him. To complete the process, all right. And that's that's just the way it is. That's what the scriptures indicate. Uh, I was going to quote some other scriptures, but for lack of time, I, I can't quote them. Uh, other than John three, John three, starting in in verse uh, fourteen. John 3, verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, And that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so we have to believe in him to have eternal life. And if we don't, we're going to perish. Verse 16, according to the Scriptures. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So how do we believe in him? Let's continue to read it, because most people stop here. And so all they got to do is believe, and that's it. Well, what is belief? Verse 17, 
For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So Yeshua came on a salvation issue to save all of mankind, which he did by his death. Verse 18, he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So how do we believe? Let's continue on. Verse 19, and this is the combination that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Oh, it has something to do with deeds. Verse 20, for everyone that does evil hates the light, neither cometh to the light that not his deeds should be reproved. Verse 21, but he that does truth, you have to do truth. What is truth? Keeping the commandments, keeping the Torah and instructions of God, comes to the light. The light is the Messiah, and that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. All right? So, that is the discussion with circumcision. Circumcision does not save you. You do not have to become a Jew to be saved. However, circumcision is a commandment of Yah, and all males should be circumcised according to the example of Yeshua and Abraham. Yeshua suggested we should do the works of Abraham, and we should follow Yeshua's example. All right, so the Torah readings uh, for next week, and hopefully I'll get a chance to go over them next week. Genesis chapter 12, well, actually it's going to be listed in the uh, the uh, advertisement for the broadcast for next week. So the, the title of the program for next week is going to be Repentance from Dead Works, based on Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Please go to my blog, MercifulLetters.com, my website, MercifulServantsOfGod.com. Also, please go to Hosanna Rabba, HosannaRabba.org. So you can get a free PDF that will help you study the entire Bible for a whole year based on the traditional Torah readings. All right, so hopefully, y'all willing, I'll be available to you next week. I hope you understand a little better, anyway, what the whole Torah means, the whole law. In Galatians 5, verse 3, I recommend, again, that you get Tim Hegg's book. I'm plugging his book because it's an excellent book, The Letter Writer, Paul's Background and Torah Perspective by going to TorahResources.com. And also, he has a good commentary on Galatians that I suggest you, you read as well. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 